residency went amazing. We were commissioned out from the Summit Church into the Summit Network, landed in Long Beach. Um, it was a very eye-opening time in many, many different ways, man, for my family and I. And uh, at the same time, in hindsight, I praise God that we went through all the things that we went through because it allowed me and my wife to grow closer than ever before. And at the same time, it opened up my heart to the tension of mental illness mm. and being a pastor, which wow. is something that is not often talked about. Family, multiplication, restoration. I'm Dahadi Lewis. Join me, Noah Odom and Hayden Radden, as we come to you from Atlanta, St. Louis, and Las Vegas, as we seek to add value to your church planning journey. We'll have real-time, authentic conversations that are relevant to the life of the church planner and pastor. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. Hey, well, welcome back to the We Are Send Network podcast. I'm here joined with always Pastor Noah Oldham from St. Louis, August Gate Church, Dr. Dahadi Lewis, come on, get Dr. it right, from Blueprint Church in Atlanta. And today we got a special guest here, the man, D.A. Horton, teaching pastor at the Grove Church in California, also professor at Cal Baptist University, church planter, pastor, leader, husband, dad, wearing a lot of hats. Hip hop artists. Hip hop artists. Oh, yes. Hot 16 coming by the end, so you gotta stay till the end. I'm just playing, man. It's just it's an honor to have you on. We're, we're here in Nashville at the SBC 21 annual meeting. And so just honored to get some time with you today um, and just hear a little bit about your journey. You just got, kind of came off the field as far as planting a church and stepped into a new role in education domain at CBU. Um, but man, I just thought church planters who are listening, watching this could really glean a little bit from your journey. I know that you guys went through a lot of different seasons in that planting process and praise God, the church is still making moves today. Um, talk to us just a little bit about that season that, mm. that came from and we can just pull some principles from that. Yeah, you know, I mean, just to be honest, my wife and I, when we were living in Atlanta, uh, working at NAM, uh, felt that God was stirring our heart to, um, man, land somewhere in Los Angeles to start yeah. a new work. And uh, it ended up being the north side of Long Beach, kind of where Compton and Long Beach come together. Mm. And, um, you know, we began to pray and process. And, uh, man, there was a lot of great content that I received from people. Uh, to just kind of uh, confirm the fact that God was giving us the green light to go ahead and go. That's great. And so um, I wanted to do the residency at uh, Summit Church uh, in mm -hmm. Durham, North Carolina, because even though we had already planted in Kansas City before and I was blessed to pastor there for about five and a half years, nice. um, I really don't understand systems a lot. And I needed to see how I could staff my weaknesses in, mm. in, in the best way possible, That's man. Good. And uh, so, yeah, so the residency went amazing. We were commissioned out from the Summit Church into the Summit Network, landed in Long Beach. Um, it was a very eye-opening time in many, many different ways, man, for my family and I. And uh, at the same time, in hindsight, I praise God that we went through all the things that we went through because it allowed me and my wife to grow closer than ever before. And at the same time, it opened up my heart to the tension of mental illness mm. and being a pastor, which wow. is something that is not often talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And so it helped me now to be very vocal to try to re uh, remove that stigma mm. of mental illness uh, from families in ministry, but in particular pastors as well. So yeah. through that journey, man, the Lord opened the door for us to then be in Riverside. My wife is serving on staff as the assistant ministry, a women's ministry uh, director. Wow. And uh, that was an answer to prayer because mm. she's teaching now women and flourishing in relationships and she's able to speak in and so uh, good. Yeah, so that stuff is very encouraging to see, man, where 
Uh, she's the one staying late at church now. Mm. And I'm like, nah, don't even trip. Like, you know, I got the kids, cause she dealt with it for me for 14 years when wow. I was pastor. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think one of the best compliments I ever received, man, is when someone was like, this is Alicia Horton's husband. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, man, I am. And <laughs> oh, right. I hope that didn't offend me. Like, How's that gonna offend me, man? Like, she's my better half. I ain't got no problem with you saying I'm her husband. She had to deal with being, oh, that's DA's wife. You know, it's yeah, like, sure. she has a name. She's that's a right. person, you know? <laughs> that's so, so good. So yeah, yeah man. <laughs> mm. Man, I love that right there. I remember uh, connecting with you in some of those days and recently after you had transitioned into the new role, you had given some advice to myself and one of our church planners out of walk. And you said, hey man, speaking of that, man, trust your wife's instinct, her spirit led intuition. When she gives you a word, lean into that. Don't just brush it off. And I thought that was a great word, especially as we're continuing to just try to lift up our, our sister's arms on this plant, church planning journey in it together. What was some of that like, just you and your wife going at it and just planting this church? And Yeah, you know, um, one of the things that we had desired was to land in Long Beach full, like our hearts full, yeah. ready to engage the mission rather than landing on fumes. Mm -hmm. I think that if we had not taken that year to be at the summit, uh, to just kind of soak in yeah. that time of being affirmed and poured into and shepherded and loved well, uh, and then sent out, then we would have burnt out very quickly with the things that we were encountering. And so my wife began to notice certain rhythms and patterns in people. And it was tough for me because we kind of come at uh, anything from two different perspectives, which is good because it's complementary and we're not mm. carbon copies of one another. Yeah. So good. And so she, one of her spiritual gifts that, that the Lord has just blessed her with, obviously, is uh, the gift of discernment. Yeah. And often I would throw a joke at her like, girl, you judge everybody. Like, man, fall back on your judgment. You don't know. I'm naive and that's wow. not healthy. Mm -hmm. And so I can be so taken good. advantage of. Uh, people lie to me and I think the best of them and overcompensate even when, when people around me do something to injure me, somehow I end up feeling like I'm the one that's wrong yeah. and not them. Right. And my wife was able to put things wow. in perspective, man. And she was very patient, very loving with me. But then when things kind of hit ahead and I began to see things, I had to go to her and ask for her forgiveness. Like, I'm sorry for not listening to you. I'm sorry for not trusting your perspective. Yeah. I'm sorry for saying that you were coming off judgmental. You were right. And I've learned she's not perfect but she shoots like 99 out of 100, man, when, that, when it's yeah. the Lord. And that's when I know when it's the Lord, engage, when she's engaged in the word, when she is prayerful, when she's mindful, and we sit down and we dialogue, I know I'm like, man, God is speaking through you right now, so who am I mm. to try to shut down the ministry mm. of the Holy Spirit when right. he is using you as a vessel to speak through me? So yeah. the things you're saying is in alignment with the word of God. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, I mean, it's one great. of the things that I mm. just, you know, just, Spending that time with you guys when you were in Atlanta, you know, it was just I've always felt like you guys don't waste your experiences, your mm. opportunities, you know, just in, and you've had a lot of a plethora of different experience and opportunities, mm. you know, um, in running a nonprofit to pastoring a church to planting a church, mm. then transitioning a church, you know, lots of different experiences. And even as I hear, you know, you talk about like, man, that you got the academics you know, the pastoral, the emotional mm -hmm. kind of awareness and all of that, like, so good. how do you kind of, like someone who has had so much experience, been a part of so many different things, kind of lay that to bear on kind of what you're doing in the present? Yeah, I, you know, when I look at the qualifications of a pastor in, in, in First Timothy, you know, the ability to teach, I don't think it's just the, the, the capacity to um, rightly divide the word and communicate it. Mm -hmm. 
with charisma or analogies or whatever. I think it's also a posture of being teachable. Yeah. And if there's one thing that the Lord has allowed me to recognize is that the more that I read, the more that I study, the more experience I have, the less I truly understand and know. Hmm. So it makes me dependent on him. At the same time, looking at the word of God as the fresh bread of heaven every day that God has prepared for us a meal in the scriptures, you have to remain a learner in order to listen to the Holy Spirit. And so with that, it's always constantly recognizing that, man, I don't know everything. Yes, I've experienced things, but you know, Second Peter 1, 16 through 21 tells me that my experience has got to be brought under the subjection of the authority of scripture. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so now when I'm engaging in these aspects, I'm okay when I look at, you know, biblical truth, exegetical work, and then if I draw from other sources to understand cultural exegesis in the community that we're in, or if someone is like, help me understand the city I'm going to, and I show them how to do a demographic study and things like that, Good. it's about how to bring all these things into dialogue, and then at the same time, help us understand, now, how do we biblically approach these things? Yeah. And, you know, that's just me making mistakes over the years and learning. I have a lot of scars from mistakes that I've made, uh, operating under the fear of man, you know, for so long and losing a confidence, man, because again, part of those relational experiences and me being taken advantage of by people has shown me the fact that uh, I'm, I'm fearful to not just confront things sometimes, I'm fearful to lose a relationship, mm-hmm. especially one that I have sacrificed for, mm-hmm. um, put the other person and their needs above my own, and then trusting that, you know, God, you'll take care of me and my family. That brought tension between my wife and I, mm-hmm. just financially. You know, it's just like, dang, you're gonna sacrifice this and this so that 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 these individuals can benefit, but what about, you know, our family? And I'm like, hey man, God will provide. Wow. And she's like, but God will provide for them too. And I'm like, he is, through my fundraising efforts, mm-hmm. he's blessing them, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of that though goes wow. back to where I was raised, man. Being raised in a trap, you know, there, there was a concept of loyalty that I learned when I was unregenerate that if I eat, we all eat, mm. you know, no matter what I did, if, if I if I hit a score and that's under the blood now, but I would share it with, you know, all the homies, man. And so there's this wow. there's this communal component, this mm. collectivist heart that, that, that the Lord has equipped me with. And so whenever I learn something, whenever something is given to me, I'm always looking for ways to share it with sure. others so that they can benefit as well. Because to me, I don't like to eat alone. I'd rather eat in community, man. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's those kind of things that allow me to share wow. experiences, brokenness, but especially right. my failures so and mistakes great. so that they ain't got to make them like I did. Wow, but let's talk a little bit about that. Like, you know, wow. over this past, you know, year or so, we've all kind of been through a lot, you know, with COVID, all those things. I know you've yeah. also been through kind of transitioning. So you just, as when you started, you planted the church mm-hmm. and now you're transitioning the church, you know, and like we're all in this new normal. Right. And so combine kind of what you've been learning from the scholarly academic realm, you know, being a a professor at CBU with coming, just coming off the field, specifically from church planting, now still being a teaching pastor. Like, so all of these opportunities, like, what do you see that's like in this new normal, um, how we are to approach ministry specifically, you know, you know, in kind of urban context? I think number one, in the Lord's grace, man, we all get a reset button. Mm. I mean, this is the first time with churches now coming back together in person, depending on what state they're in. Mm. Um, You get to really like reignite culture. Mm -hmm. You get to shape culture in a way that you probably couldn't do before. 
especially in church planting, when you're trying to get people to, to develop a culture together, you know, it's like it's like the, the Spanish dish pegadillo. It's like you got you got papas or potatoes, you got hamburger, you got tomatoes, you got green beans, you got the stew, the sauce that it's all in, then you got your tortillas. And so it's like everybody contributes something to the church plant community's culture. Right. And then when we were dispersed, now everybody is starting to come back now we're able to kind of like restart. So the things that were unhealthy and toxic, mm-hmm. prayerfully, the Holy Spirit has purged those rhythms out. Uh, if we are trying to center center our preferences and make those hills to die on, prayerfully, the Holy Spirit has humbled us right. to say, you know what, man, music selection, it ain't a deal breaker right now. Yeah. The reality, if we ain't got a youth ministry, okay. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. It's, it's going back to the bare bones of the reality of how did the first century church and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, mobilized to live out the Great Commission. Mm. And I think in America, um, you know, a lot of our first world problems got pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. The right. temptation yeah. that we're going to face is picking Facts. them back up. Wow. And then mm-hmm. recentering preferences and, and, you know, personal cultural rhythms and traits. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, man, we can come together and we can learn from that. Same thing in the academic space with my students. I can't wait for them to get back on campus. But even online, what I learned with from them is that the more honest I was, the more transparent I was with what was going on in my life, present tense, and the battles and the struggles and the things that I was facing mentally, um, the death of my mother-in-law, like, I mean, you name it. We, we had a crazy year. My my wife's cousin, her first cousin was murdered and it was a murder-suicide. So so there's never gonna be closure because her, her you know, the, the, the one who took her life took his life. Mm-hmm. And so there's these open wounds that we've had to learn to lean in together mm-hmm. and be honest about it. Yeah. And that right. now has provided my wife, myself, and all three of our children with therapy and counseling and dealing with these things. And so now what I see is that because I'm being honest, because I'm speaking about the wounds and things that I kept in, um, because I'm no longer believing the lies that I was told that if you speak on this, you're gossiping, you're sinning, I've, I've unhitched myself from the lies mm. that, that I bought into. Wow. Uh, it has given me a freedom to be honest, to assess and yeah. still help others for a pathway of healing, man, as I'm learning to heal myself, so. And I would love, I'd love your your help in this. One of the things I love about SBC annual meetings, I get to see guys from all over the country, all yeah, the yeah. continent that I've not seen mm-hmm. this time in a couple of years. I, I made the joke that I've hugged more Baptist men in the last 24 hours than I have my entire yeah, life. For sure. wow. But but every one of these meetings, whether it's the, the national annual meeting or our state conventions, I always run into dudes that are struggling. Yeah. And, and they're away from their, their bodies. Usually they're here they're among other leaders. And if you get enough time with them, they'll reveal yeah. I'm struggling. And you talked a little bit about just kind of getting past the stigma and stereotype of some of mental health and emotional health. I would love if you would give planters just a couple of warning signs maybe to look for because so many planters are high capacity leaders yeah, great. and they're, they're driving in there and we don't want them to burn out and sometimes they get too late almost mm. notice it so what are some early warning signs maybe we can help guys to identify yeah you know number one i think it's the lie that i bought into that the work has to be done by me mm. um if i delegate it to somebody and they don't do it uh, they don't do the task or, you know, creating the infrastructure, then I'm okay, then I'll do it. It needs to get done. Mm-hmm. That's unhealthy. Um, for much of my ministry, I blocked my wife out of that process of helping 
because there was a fear that, oh my gosh, people are gonna think I'm not complimentarian. They're gonna think I'm egalitarian, right? <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm being dead serious, man. Yeah, yeah. And so those are the tensions that, I mean, look, my wife has two master's degrees, man. Her undergrad is a double major in theology and Bible, but also organizational development. She has a master's degree in organizational leadership. So good. And that's where I'm like, man, this is her skill set. This is yeah. her God-given gift. If I'm a complementarian, then you know what? She can staff my weakness. She is administratively gifted. I'm a visionary. I see A and Z. She sees B to Y. And then looking at that aspect, I didn't know how to just say, hey, I need help. So there was a lot of machismo, a lot of pride in me and not asking for help. Wow. And so that was number one, when I think everything rises and falls on myself. Mm -hmm. The other thing I thought also was a lie is that, man, you know, Jesus's work in building the church that he promised until he returns, it doesn't rise and fall on my church plant, man. Goodness it doesn't. Hmm. And that's where some people got to recognize, because I used to struggle feeling like I'm a failure if we don't run up to 500 people in the first three years, you know? And it's like, man, you don't see anywhere about those numeric measurements in scripture, man. And the reality of that is we have to understand success is faithfulness to the word of God, man, and just walking in obedience to the commands of Christ. That's faithfulness and that's success. And so even if the church plant doesn't live past five years, or as many guys know that their funding runs out and they're dealing with the internal pressures, you know, that's where you have to be wise and think about how do we stagger salaries? What is necessary? What is not necessary? Mm. I needed the commitment so of a financial committee because my heart is to be extra generous, uh, offer people compensation packages that are well above what they deserve because I'm like, I don't want your family to worry about yeah. nothing. Yeah. I'm not Jesus, man. Yeah. <laughs> and who am I to think I can step in and remove what God is trying to do in their family by trusting mm. Jesus? And so that's where I had to also learn, like, man, I, 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 gotta, I gotta be mindful, I gotta have more counsel around me. Mm. But I also had to be honest about the things I was feeling. And I had to be honest about experiences. And I had to be honest about fears. I had to be honest about my anxiety, my paranoia, all those things. I had to be honest about them rather than stuffing them in. Mm. Because all I would do was just keep self-torturing myself. Let's talk about that a little bit. Because when we talk about this idea, specifically a church plans, many times, because I'm feeling you, basically. Yeah, man. You know, and I, and I could come in with kind of that you know, the Jesus complex, mm -hmm. right? The, the answer is not Jesus. Yeah, the answer is Jesus, but it's me talking about yeah. Jesus, yeah. right? It's, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. kind of like, yeah. it's just because it's like, you feel like, especially when you have so many That's people so kind of going in, yeah. you know, to a church plant and they're already lonely. They feel like they don't have any peers. They're by themselves. They're parachuted into mm -hmm. a place, yeah. you know, and as you and Alicia basically have parachuted into a spot, you know, and feeling like where, okay, if I don't have peers, I don't have, you know, things, but like, and things need to get done if this church plan's gonna get off the ground. Yeah. And that tension, you know, because sometimes we will get in this, like the doctors, you know, the successful doctors is, hey, but don't do it like I do it. Yeah. You know, it's just, but <laughs> is there any other way to do it? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't, yeah. somebody give me the easy doctor route and then right, I will right, take right. that. Yeah. But, but it's like, so you always hear it on the back end, don't do it the way I do yeah, it, but it's right. like, but there's no other route. So when you mm -hmm. think about this, the grueling nature of just simply church planting, especially people who are parachuting in, mm -hmm. how would you advise people to do it differently where yeah. the difference between, you no, know, it's going to take a lot of work mm -hmm. and burnout and fatigue, yeah. you know, and do that. Like, how do you differentiate those two? Yeah, I think one of the mistakes that I made is that I created indirectly a culture of enablement mm -hmm. where people didn't bear the same missional weight that I did wow. because I, I, I thought I had to do everything, man. 
So wow. I'm robbing them from the That's opportunity right. to have buy-in to the mission. Because I'm sitting here casting vision, this, this, and I'm, you know, talking to thug dudes on the street. I'm over here raising money for this. I'm over here going to this, trying to become a police chaplain. I'm doing all these things. Mm. And it's like, you know what? If I would have just slowed down mm. and if some of the things had to drop and fall on the floor, then why don't, why don't we take ownership of that as a community? Yeah. Who can step in and say, you know what, man? I, I can do this to help for this. Bet. Let's do it. And if they make a mistake or they don't get it done by a deadline, okay, then have a flexible deadline. It's not a big deal. Hmm. And so I failed in that, man. Yeah. And so I created a culture of enablement where everything was, you know, on my plate because I put it there. Wow. And I didn't know how to get things off my plate. Now, there were times when before the plant, I would communicate. I don't want to be the main guy. I don't want to be the lead guy. I want this to be a shared reality. But then when the responsibilities were not being uh, you know, follow through with by others, then that's why I said, man, we moved our family out here for this thing. I got to do it then. Yeah. And so that's where I felt like I couldn't get help and I felt trapped. And that feeling of being trapped just only amplified my mental struggles. And I hated going to church. Mm. The very church that God called us to lead, I hated being there. My paranoia was spiked. People were disappointed with decisions that were made. People were gossiping. People wouldn't come to me and say what they needed to say. They would go to other people who would come back to me. Like all that kind of stuff. I was like, man, look, I ain't in middle school. I'm not gonna play these games anymore because it was a matter of life and death for me. Yeah. And I was yeah. this close, man, to taking my life. And I praise God that he intervened at the right time and now he's leading us into a place of holistic healing, and I praise God for that. So wow. powerful, man. Wow. That was just an amazing share right there. And I really do believe that there's, there's church planners that are watching this right now, listening to this right now, that can relate to this season that you're in yeah. more than I think we all know. Yeah. And I've even just heard different planters come up to me in this last day and a half and just mm -hmm. say, man, leaning into the podcast, mm -hmm. the, practic the practical stuff is helpful for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, the real time struggle is, is, where, is where I'm at. And so um, I know we're, we're just about out of time, but I just wanted to, while we had you, I just wanted to hit one more subject real quick because sure. I've always been blessed as you've kind of shared in, in this past season, the book Intentional mm -hmm. really came out of your heart. You know, mm -hmm. that, that you, you released a, a powerful work about being intentional in multi-ethnic space and raising up a, a, a church that is not just one color, one culture, but being intentional to be, I loved your, your emphasis on compassion, mm -hmm. some of the stuff about being in the bullpen, getting ready to be yeah. sent out by Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, I just thought it'd be dope to just hear some of your heart behind the book and um, what, what influenced you, what, what, what made you excited to write that? Yeah, I think it was. Or the, even out of brokenness, even. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a lot. You know, one, I feel like it was a coming of age book for me, even though mm -hmm. I was like, you know, 38, 39 years old when it was written. Um, I think it was me kind of, you know, biblically grasping some of the truths that I had kind of kept tucked away in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. Because in the different spaces, whether it be seminary, whether it be, you know, the church planting world and the relationships we have, I often felt like I, you know, had to. Um, be all things to all people culturally and all things, even the way I wear my hair. I try to be culturally as ambiguous as possible so I can go into as many spaces as possible. Um, mm. But the reality is that as I was praying through that and I began to recognize the stalemate in conversations, I began to recognize, okay, there's certain themes and patterns in, in, in people's behavior 
in this in this world that I'm in. And so writing it to American Protestants was my heart, but it was also spurned on by, you know, this war that is currently going on in evangelicalism about issues of mercy, justice, compassion. Sometimes people get, you know, hung up on language mm. and they won't get past that. Sometimes people will look at their hero in the faith and even if their hero is wrong, they won't admit that their hero is wrong because then they're wrong and that leads them to a crisis of faith that they're trying to avoid. Wow. And what I recognize is maybe Jesus is recognizing that we have been unified on the wrong things mm -hmm. for quite too long. And maybe what wow. you're, you're trying to keep the peace for something that is unhealthy. And Jesus is trying to pry our hands away from an idol. Right. And he's trying to get our attention back on the only true and living God and worshiping him with holy wow. hands rather than grasping an idol that we've created out of our Lord and Savior's name. Jeez. And so I think stepping into that is where intentional came. And the last thing was I'm like, man, I want people to be able to know what to do. Yeah. And that's where chapter seven, just like blah, 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 just hits them with all these acronyms and everything. <laughs> but, excuse me, because I was like, yo, man, it's one thing to read a book and let it sit on a shelf. And that's what, you know, I mean, as church planners, you are constantly reading new material all the time. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, man, how can we write something that gives people the steps to know how to move forward and do something yeah. in their community? You ain't got to try to change the world. Right. And at the same time, church, plant, uh, 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 church, sorry, at the same time, planning church is not like affirmative action. And so I would hear all these pushbacks and I'm just like, man, y'all tripping. We ground this thing in the word of God. And this is what Paul meant. This is what Christ said. And this is how we're supposed to move. And then in the eternal state, our ethnicity is there. Mm -hmm. yes. Like it's not a curse. Yeah. It's not something we should deny. So even like the phrase that, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian before I'm black. I'm a Christian before I'm Mexican. Why do you even have to create that false dichotomy? Wow. If God elected you hmm. and he elected your ethnicity and your ethnicity is in the eternal state as God's elect, you ain't got to say, I'm a, I'm a Christian before this, man. Listen, he elected me to be what I am. Why do I need to apologize for that? At the right. same time, it's going to be present in the eternal state. He knew what he was doing. Right. So I don't have to say I'm a Christian before I'm this. Him saving me is a holistic process. Good. So that's the thing that I want the church to understand is that, man, you're not giving in to some non- Christian liberal agenda if you communicate biblical truth, man. And if there's shared language that the world has, we ain't got no problem when we borrow from them when it comes to the rules of logic. So then why do we have a problem when it comes to the real work of seeing the kingdom of God greater reflected in local churches? And that's where I feel like we gotta do the work. Wow, wow. A lot, of, a lot to, to, to chew on, a lot to process, and to get better from yeah. in this session. This has been... Um, a full podcast and want to just honor you. Thanks again for joining us Thank you. here on the We Are Sin Network podcast. If, uh, if you're joining us right now and you got some thoughts, some questions, um, maybe you need a next step, you can go ahead and text the number 888-123. Just text the word Send Network, 888-123. Always you can visit us at sendnetwork.com. We love to hear from you. We love to uh, field some of your questions or maybe you have a topic that's on your heart related to church planting, etc. Uh, we love to hit it. We love to speak into it and provide some content that prayerfully would be helpful for you. So thanks again for watching and tuning in. We are Sin Network. You have been listening to We Are Sin Network, a resource of the North American Mission Board. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sinnetwork.com.